I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. Friends, we are less than 50 days away from the election. Make sure you're registered to vote. If you don't know, go to vote.org. You can also go to the Rock the Vote website. There's USA.gov. There's a billion different ways to check. Just make sure that you are registered. If you are voting by mail, which is what I always do, make sure to get those ballots in early. As soon as you get that ballot, fill it out, send it back. You can also just go to your polling place on election day and hand deliver your ballot to your local polling station. This year is super important to vote, just like every year. Um, It's you know, our our duty. It's our privilege to be able to vote. So make sure you're doing that. If you're in America, please, please, please vote. Today on the show, I have actress Lisa Linky. You may know her best from Bless This Mess. She's in the upcoming movie from Kelly Oxford, Pink Skies Ahead, and she has her own podcast called Go Help Yourself. Here's my conversation with Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Hi. How are you in this uh, quarantined day of hotness? It's like being doubly quarantined because it's too hot to leave the house. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's you awful. can't even go outside. My dog, she asks to go outside. We're on this repeating like 45 minute groundhog day. Every 45 <laughs> minutes she comes to me and she's like, I, I need to go outside. I'm like, you don't. You were just Yeah, outside. you don't want to. <laughs> she keeps asking. We go out and we get outside. And she's like, oh, God, it's hot. We come inside. <laughs> she sits in front of the AC 
45 minutes later, she's bored and she comes to me and is like, I need to go outside. Like we do this oh my all day long until it's <laughs> cool enough to sit outside. And then we sit on our deck. Yeah. It's what kind of dog brain. do you have? She is a 14 year old mutt. She's oh. one quarter golden retriever. We did do the DNA. You're welcome. Oh, I have um, done it as well. So I'm with yes. you. <laughs> what kind do you have? Well, I have a, um, a husky that I thought was a Malamute, but it oh. makes sense. Um, well, Cause now I do hard to tell. Well, and now I do have an actual Malamute and he's like twice her size. So totally makes sense. And then um, the other one is a white German shepherd, but it's interesting because her DNA came back as like 75% Swiss shepherd and 25% German, which is bizarre. Okay. I'm here for a Swiss shepherd. Right. follow one on Instagram. I need to live my life now. (laughs) All of my activities are online. I feel that. I feel that. What did your dog's DNA say? Um, hers said, um, quarter. So like one of her grandparents, mm-hmm. uh, was a full golden retriever and the okay. rest is like pure speculation. Oh my um, gosh. that's truly the only thing we could tell. I had another dog. He passed in February, Oh, I'm sorry, um, but he, thank you. But he, what, I mean, he beat the game. He was like six weeks shy of 16. So he was, oh, wow. um, he, he nailed it. He was a Carolina dog. Um, which oh. they don't test for, but like if you Google Carolina dog, my dog came up. Um, really? Yeah, but they're like a mix of, you know, um, he had some Vishla, he had some like shepherd, like he just had everything. He had crazy. Okay, stuff I just looked it up. He's so cute. It looks kind of really like um, those those memes that are going around with the I dog that's like German Shepherd slash uh, Labrador or something that looks like a Pooh Bear. Kind of. Yes. Yes. And like, and also sometimes people always said like, is that, um, is that a dingo? And I would be like, mm. yes, I <laughs> yes, it Australia. is. I trapped a wild dingo. <laughs> I, um, you know, made him less feral and then brought him back to the States. Um, Honestly, I would American do that. Dingo. <laughs> yeah. I would do that though. So like, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, The first thing that I actually want to talk about, and this is something that I totally sleuthed your IMDb and found, you did Pink Skies Ahead with Kelly Oxford, and I am such a huge fan of Kelly, and I just Uh, need to know what that experience was like. Well, I had, um, that was a fun audition, actually. Uh, I went in, it was a, um, the scene that I was in, I don't know if it's been released yet, but the, the film, I think it's going to a festival. The film is about um, a young woman who's kind of like figuring things out um, the summer. I believe it's the summer before her college uh, Mm. year. And Kelly was a dream to work with. And my scene took, it was an overnight shoot and it takes Mm. place in the nineties. And it was also hot. So I was in like (laughs) layered polyesters. Oh God. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, and we were, I was really happy because I had this monologue, this like paragraph monologue to give. And as you go in, when I went into the audition, it seemed like it was, um, like a funeral, like somebody Mm. was at a funeral and they were like, oh no, actually the context is that it's, she's celebrating her recovery from cancer. And I was like, oh, that is very good to know. (laughs) That's very different. Very different interpretation. (laughs) 
Um, but I was able to kind of change it up on a dime and I booked it. So, um, wow. yeah, and it was just, it was fun to just do like a one day night shoot and mm-hmm. just sit in my, you know, trailer and, uh, until they needed me and kind of sit upright and nap to not mess up my hair <laughs> or my makeup <laughs> and then just get in there and, you know, just kind of That's knock it so out. Cool. I, I love following her and I'm super excited to finally see her become a director and I can't wait to see uh, that movie. Such a, and so calm and like they were Mm. like they needed to do like seven setups and they were running out of time and she was just so calm and really lovely giving feedback and like asking and giving notes and asking like I love that you're doing this can you try this and it was just really easy I love yeah that's so killer I love that I love that about female directors too I feel like as when you're working with female directors there's more of a a give and take between the actor and the director personally yeah, it just felt, I mean, especially because I, I feel like she knows what it's like. So she mm-hmm. just was very hands off. She was like, let me see what you do when we, you know, when we rehearse it. And I love that. And I said, because I, I kind of got teary and I mm-hmm. said, can you tell me when you're going to be close so that I know not to like <laughs> blow it? And right. she was like, totally, totally. So um, wow. she let me know. She was like, in these next two takes, go for it. And I was like, Thank you, because especially when it's hot and you're yeah. so sweaty. And it's overnight. You know, yeah, overnight. Like, you just, you dry up, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So it was really, I was really grateful that she did that. That's exciting. I can't wait for that to come out. Yeah. So tell me how you got started in this crazy business, because you it looks like you've been on basically every television series that's <laughs> that's on network right now. So you need to walk me through this. How did you get started here? Yeah, I moved to LA seven years ago this past May. And uh, before that, I was living and working in Chicago as a full-time actor and improviser, Mm -hmm. which meant not a lot of money. Um, (laughs) But I had booked a co-star on Shameless because they shoot their exteriors there. Yeah. Um, And then I was kind of felt like I was tapped out. At that time, they did not shoot many shows in Chicago. Mm. Um, And so I really felt like I had kind of done all that I could do in Mm -hmm. terms of performing improv. I knew that I wasn't going to get hired um, by Second City to perform. I was working for them on the business side, like traveling Mm. around the world, teaching improv skills to people. Yeah. Like, honestly, it it was a better paid job. Like I liked it a lot more. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't in what I wanted to do long term. So I realized like I had to move to LA. And Mm -hmm. so I did. I packed up and moved and came out here knowing many Chicago transplants, but not (laughs) having any kind of contacts whatsoever. And I just kind of clawed and scraped my way and found an incredible manager, Michelle Larger with Epic Talent. I'm still with her. She understood me and understood my comedy immediately. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this is it. Um, and she's really championed me. She, and I think strategically, and, you know, we just started kind of getting me into rooms, getting me mm-hmm. into projects that may not have been high profile, but had high, um, higher profile casting directors or people that she knew would be, um, worth working with at some point. Sounds like and she then, really knew how to play the politics oh, of it. So smart. So smart. We both, ha- we both came from like previous background you know, um, cause before I was an improviser, I was a consultant and I have my MBA wow. and like all that stuff. So oh my we God. Both we're like, what is the strategic way to attack this? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just kind of kept clawing and clawing. And I 
also when I moved out, I started studying at Leslie Kahn and I'm still there mm. and I'm on faculty and, you know, I wow. really credit understanding. She really gave me and that building really gave me an understanding of what my job is in the room in an audition and on set. And I feel like kind of mastering that. And when mm-hmm. I was able to master that really changed things for me. That's amazing. And then you did, so you got, what was your big, like first reoccurring thing? Was it teachers or what was the big thing that like started yeah. the the ball going? So teachers was, um, the Katie Dids produced that and they were all from Chicago and I had performed with them and taught some of them improv. And mm. when they made their web series in Chicago, I was in it. Um, and so then they offered me a role season one, a co-star. And then wow. when they came back season two, they offered me to come back as Terry, the really mean mom. And it was just <laughs> super fun. You know, like every time when they would bring me back, it was just a damn delight. And it was really kind of them to help elevate my career that way. And yeah. I got just a lot of experience, you know, and I would come visit them sometimes on set and just kind of watch. So I, I really got to learn a lot about um, life on set and, mm-hmm. you know, hear a lot about, I mean, for them, they were executive producers and the stars. Right. Um, so it, it was uh, challenging, but I got to kind of see a lot firsthand through their eyes what what it was like. So that was great. That's really cool. Did it, did it inspire you to maybe go behind the scenes at some point as well, too? feel like I I don't know I mean I produce a lot of stuff (laughs) in Chicago so I don't have that production itch Mm. so much more intricate here Mm -hmm. you know um and I feel like I I made a choice to move here and be away from my family Mm. you know and move away from my best friend and her daughter you know like a lot Mm -hmm. of things to act you know and I was improvising for a little while when I was first here and then I was like, no, this is not why I came out here. You know, um, I've done the Tuesday night, 10 30 PM shows, you know, right, I did that, right. <laughs> um, for 15 years. I don't need to do that anymore. So I, I, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of am just working on acting and then I write as well. I think that's smart though. I mean, I think it's good that you know like exactly what it is that you want to do in this industry. Cause I think a lot of people can get lost and muddled, and not really yeah. be able to find their way around. So it's nice that you have that like clear vision. I agree. I think there's real value in being able to state clearly what it is you want, mm-hmm. especially out here. I think in in Chicago and I think in other markets, it's valuable to be skilled and want to do a lot of things mm-hmm. because you know, like in Chicago, it's not an industry town, right? Like, right. It's good to be able to write and teach and act and improvise and sing. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah. It really does help you because then you can be involved in a lot more projects. But out here, I think in my experience, what I find is that if you aren't able to clearly communicate who you are and what it is you want to do, people don't know how they can work with you or how right. they can utilize you not to sound you know harsh about it (laughs) but how can you bring value to their project if you list 18 things that you can do yeah no I totally get that I know it's like when you see one of those you know short films where it's like directed by edited by cinematography by produced by one person and you're like oh my god please hire somebody to help you like sometimes that's the only way you can get that project done right and also 
if I were to follow up with that person, it's like if I interviewed for a job at Procter and Gamble and they were like, mm-hmm. well, what do you want to do? And I'd be like, I love marketing. I love um, <laughs> accounting. I love logistics. I love shipping. <laughs> I love HR. I love, you know, like they'd be like, well, but what the hell what do you do, do for us? Yeah. <laughs> be, there's, Michael Scott walks into the room. Basically. Exactly. Like, I'm just going to exactly. do it all and not really do anything. Yeah. I think there's real value in saying, this is what I want to do. I have skills in other areas. Mm-hmm. But when I'm on set as a co-star, I do not need to help with production. I do right. not need yeah. to help with anything else. In fact, <laughs> I get in the way if I do. When did you know that you wanted to be an actor? Did Was there like a specific moment that it just totally sparked? I think... I mean, I think I've been a performer since I exited my mother's womb, but I feel like I was in, I was in grade school and middle school and did like some school plays and got some laughs out of the audience Oh man! didn't understand like what happened in my body when that happened. (laughs) Like I felt really pleased with it, but also simultaneously, I was like, was that supposed to happen? Cause that never right. happened in rehearsals, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just think then when I did improv that first time that I got a laugh out of making something in the moment, mm-hmm. that was better than any drug I could ever imagine. Total you know? ecstasy. Total and complete. And yeah, doing improv in Chicago is one of the best things in my life. It mm. just was so oh, to make an audience laugh. There's nothing like it. There's nothing mm-hmm. like it. There's nothing like being on stage and getting that like real visceral reaction from an audience. Yeah. Cause they don't, they don't fake it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Improv, especially for me, I never mm. did a lot of straight theater. That's what we call in Chicago um, where it's all <laughs> scripted because the words are doing the work, a lot of it, right? Like the story is crafted, all that stuff. And in improv, like you cannot force a laugh out of an audience. Yeah. It's, it's either are um, uh, authentic or it's, it's not. And you know, right away if it's working. Right. When you craft something with another person, like spontaneously, and it's, you're really listening and you're connected. And then the audience responds to that. My God, it's so good. Like, yeah. I think that's what's always scared me about improv though, is that I love, I love the pages of a theater. I like the script. I like the the thing, you know, yeah, being on stage, yeah. being an improv actor is just so incredibly difficult and so also rewarding, but it's just so terrifying to me to be up there and not know what's going on or what's going to happen. Yeah. You really have to embrace being willing to totally fail. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. something I can do well. <laughs> then you'll love improv. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do remember, I think I took like a groundlings class or something when I was a kid and I was like, oh, this is not for me. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. See you later. I mean, it is not for everybody. I do think the skills are useful throughout life. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to learn how to just kind of recognize when you want to control everything and yeah, let go a little bit. But um and I will say now that I am doing film and television, I do enjoy script analysis. Like mm. I enjoy figuring out in this cryptic side <laughs> that I've been given with no explanation of the entire piece, like mm-hmm. how to make it work. There is joy in that for sure. There is. It's not a funeral. FYI. <laughs> yeah. Just in, in case you thought um, she's not dead. You're not giving a eulogy. 
she's That's actually quite it. alive and we're celebrating it. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Um, so I want to talk to you about your podcast. How did you get started with that? Go help yourself. What what's what is like what made you want to do that podcast? Yeah, so Go Help Yourself is a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. We hope Love that. Um, my <laughs> My dear friend Misty Stinnett and I co-host it, and every week we read and review a popular or classic self-help book, mm. um, and we tell you what's good about it and what's bad about it. Now, Misty will always tell you what's good about it, and I am too Midwestern <laughs> to uh, listen to anybody telling me what to do, so I immediately hate it. <laughs> I, I am the skeptic. I come with a lot of side eye, um, and I judge it. I judge it a lot, but... <laughs> What's great about it is that, you know, in under an hour, we'll give you kind of some of like the top key takeaways or thoughts from the book. So you'll know if it's a good fit for you and you should invest mm. in it, your time and energy and money, or if it's a flaming dumpster fire that you should avoid <laughs> at all costs. And believe me, and there's a lot of them out there. I um, Yeah. Specifically yeah. the ones that are like, girl, wash your face. And I'm like, girl, oh, you just stole a bunch God. of shit from a bunch of other people and put it in a book. Let me tell you. What we have found is that the lack of intersectionality in most mm. self-help books is so glaringly disgusting. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough to read. And, you know, in order to sell a successful self-help book, successful meaning by sales, mm -hmm. you basically have to have an Instagram following or some sort of 100%. social media presence. And you have to have zero skills, zero qualifications, <laughs> zero experience. And I don't mean that to like trash on these people, but it's you know, true though. We've had people write in, you know, and a lot of these books are incredibly white centered, male centered, mm -hmm. you know, and the focus is on being rich having a relationship. And mm -hmm. um, honestly, a lot of times it's on being thin and there's like rampant fat phobia in these books. Wow. And we kind of 
we got an email from a listener who was like, I, my cousin was in treatment at an eating disorder clinic and the books that they had available to them to read were some of the books that you have pointed out the rampant, like phobia and body shaming. And when I went to visit her and saw these, I was like, do never read these, never read these. Don't read them. And I was just like, this is what the problem is. Is like, the self-help is like, oh, it's going to be good for you. They don't read it. They Mm. don't qualify it. And it's actually terrible for people. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty Who knew? I'm not a person. Yeah. Now I know. I'm not really a person to read self-help because when I'm reading, I want to like disappear into a different world and not have to think about my own problems. (laughs) Yes. It's not for everybody. It's not. No, but I have read like, um, I have read a couple of like Malcolm Gladwell books that are, I mean, those are kind of self-help, right? Well, the genre is so broad that it covers everything from like Excel for dummies to the secret. (laughs) So yes, Mm. that fits in there. So like, yeah, and he's an amazing writer. I really yeah, adore. We he's covered great. talking to strangers recently. Mm, okay, and that was a wonderful. It's an audio. I I recommend the audio book because um, he has like it, like clips of the stuff that he's talking about of interviews mm. of people talking. It's fascinating. That is fascinating. I read. I think the first book of his that I read was The Tipping Point, and I just found it to so be good. so interesting yeah. and different yeah. than anything I'd ever read. Yeah, and he's trained as a journalist and like a historian, so. The context is always so pivotal that he that he puts it in. All right. Well, now we're at the point of the show where okay. you tell me some stories, some funny stories or some good stories, whatever you're comfortable sharing um, about yeah. auditioning or things that you almost got. Well, I'm going to I think I'm going to give you a little uh, poo poo platter, a little smorgasbord. Yeah. Um, in Chicago, mm-hmm. when I lived there, there were and I believe there still are only three casting agencies. Wow. Um, so it's tough. Um, and one of them hated me uh, because <laughs> they contacted my agent one day and asked if I was a certain size. Oh, uh, gosh. And I said, no, I'm actually like one to two sizes above that, depending on the cut. And they said, well, can you be this size for this audition? And I said, what? No, I can't. And so then they never called me in anymore. So that was, so I was down a third, a third of the options were gone. But like, hold um, up, how do you just become a different size in like a day for an audition? What, what is that person on? Um, uh, an anger trip. Yeah, a real, apparently. A real ego trip. Uh, so I was down to two casting agencies and one of them, <laughs> one of them, uh, everybody was terrified of. And my first experience when I was just starting out and had like the agent that everybody has, you know, that has like a thousand people on their roster. I went in for a commercial and it was paired. So it was going to be a male and a female reading copy. Um, And uh, I was waiting and waiting and waiting because the person who was supposed to go with me never came. Oh no! So after waiting like 30 minutes, they were like, well, you just come in. And I was like, okay, they'll, they'll read the other part for me. They said, read both parts. I said, <laughs> excuse me? They said, yeah, just read both parts. Now, it would be one thing if they were like <laughs> talking to camera, but this was a conversation <laughs> between two people. And I said- You just go to like opposite sides of the room to do this? <laughs> I said, can I have a minute to look over the script? And they said, sure. So I turned to the side 
to be like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to basically be like a split personality figuring this out? Yeah. But I couldn't focus on that (laughs) because while that was happening, they started talking about who they were going to cast in this and who they recommended. And they were like, they're the last person, clearly. I mean, they were amazing. Yes. Yes. And I was, oh my God. So then I just said, okay, there's no point in me spending any time doing this. So I just turned around and said, I'm ready. And they said, okay, rolling. And then I just read both pieces as if I were a split personality, having a conversation with myself. We said, thank you. We went about our days. Oh my God. Yeah. So like talking about it when you're in the room, who does that? It was insane. Well, that was, you know, when you are one of three. You yeah. kind of can do whatever you want. So right. a lot of those things happen. I was like, it's time for me to move. Yeah. Um, so that was one. My personal favorite um, <laughs> is when I was here, uh, I got called in for like this like morning show host, like mm. for local Dallas. So like the hour after the morning news, right? Okay. So a bunch of us go and we're all gussied up. We're all wearing like cute things, big hair, makeup, whatever. And um, (laughs) the first two people go in and it takes a long time, like a long time, like 20 minutes per person. So we're running way late Mm. and we're all kind of just like starting to fidget and whatnot. And they come out (laughs) and then they put a pause on it. They don't call anyone in. And there's like a lot of chit chat and people Uh call to the back from this, from the casting office, like the staff. And then, the main casting director, he comes out and he goes, ladies, um, I'm so sorry. You are all called in here for the role of morning talk show host. And you were supposed to be called in for the role of slovenly dog breeder. What? (laughs) And when I tell you that the ripple of understanding in the room and like nods between each other, like, yeah, that tracks. Thank you. Um, and he was like, so I apologize. He was very cool. He was like, you yeah. can immediately sign up for a slot tomorrow. If you want to take the sides and go, we'll give you 24 hours. Or if, since you're here, because it was all the way on the West side, he was like, oh God. You, you can do it now. And some people were like, nope. And they signed they up for, for tomorrow. They were like, yeah, they were like, I'm taking my sides and I'm going and another woman like ran out to her car and came back in five minutes, totally changed into a different outfit and had like, yes. like put dirt on her face somehow with makeup. <laughs> and I was just like, what is happening? Like I just mussed up my hair and put it in a ponytail. Yeah. And I, w- I was just like, okay, I'm going to call my friend. We're going to work this scene for a second. And then, you know, I'm going to go in. And I was just like, this is, this is Hollywood really speaking to mm-hmm. me. You thought you were you thought you were a morning show host. You, <laughs> you're a slovenly dog breeder. Um, you're a dog breeder instead. So could, just could letting you, just you know. Be dog breeder? No. Slovenly no. dog breeder. Slovenly. So. Oh my God. Yeah, that was How a did real... the audition go? I mean, fine. I made them laugh. Um, did good. not book it, but that pilot did not go. So I don't feel so bad about it. Yeah. Um, who cares then? Yeah. Who can care? Um, oh my that gosh. Was, that was a wild one. Um, I, I will say, I'm trying to think of another one. 
Oh, I will say for for Bless This Mess, which was Mm -hmm. really fun, um, my friend uh, Chelsea Devantes is brilliant, and she is a writer on the show, Mm -hmm. and she brought me in to read for Linda, um, who went to the brilliant Rose Abdu, and then um, they they created a character named Clara and wanted me to to be Clara, so that's how how I got it. Um, But... In that audition, that was really fun. So Rose and I were, Rose is an old, uh, a sec, old Second City alum, and I okay. have been around Second City forever. So we both kind of were like, I know who you are, but I'm not going to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And there were, <laughs> oh gosh, there were two gentlemen who showed up uh, a day early for their audition. Oh, no. And I loved it so much because their role was like stoner. And <laughs> they were both like, dude, I don't see this role signed up. And the guy's like, no, dude, you're on the wrong day. And the other guy was like, no, it's in my calendar for today. And he's like, no, it's in my calendar here for today too. But like, we were on the wrong day. This went on <laughs> for five minutes and Rose and I could not look at each other because we just knew that we were going to break out laughing. But they were like, I can't believe this. Like, whoa, what am I going to do? And I just... And they were like, are you reading for stoner? Yeah, I'm reading for stoner. No way. That's awesome. Like I, I wanted to make a short out of it because it was so perfect and it was such a delight. And, um, and and of course they worked them in, they fit them in. And then I just loved hearing as they went up the stairs, um, with the casting director, like, I can't believe I showed up on the wrong day. And that guy showed up too. (laughs) I just was like, this is my, this is. It's, you know, it's, it's LA in a nutshell. Totally. I hope they got lunch after and stayed friends because they sound made for each other. I know. Right. I do too. I hope there was like a blossoming friendship after that. I mean, they seemed perfect. They seemed like identical (laughs) twins and they were so cute. Um, Oh my goodness. I know. So that, that piece just always makes me like. I love that. The audition yeah. rooms are hysterical. That and they can also be super like stoic and super like nerve-wracking or when you when you're listening to the other person who's like in the room doing the audition and you're sitting there like, "Great, now I'm listening to that person doing that audition." It's like I I I I really am attuned to other people's anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um having been in group therapy for a long time, like I'm, I'm just, that's my thing. I know when other people are anxious. So like going into an audition room is not fun. Mm-mm. Um, and when I had my like first real serious audition for a series regular, um, I went in and I had just coached with Leslie, like a flyby coaching on the way there just to make sure that I was like in the pocket and, um, and I had, <laughs> I was listening to my coaching session on my earphones and then I got into the room and I recognized the woman who was also sitting there. And I was like, oh my God, she is on the show that I watched, man. Like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm trying not, I'm trying to like not look at her and not like geek out and just like, oh my God, oh my God. You know? Oh no. And then, um, I start to play my voice memo and my earphones aren't plugged into my phone. So my <laughs> audition starts broadcasting to her and I'm like fumbling and trying to get my, you know, like, and I just looked so stupid and she was kind enough not to say anything as my face got so red in my purse oh, no. and I put my earbuds in. And then of course, when they started walking her back, they were like, do you have a headshot? And she was like, I don't, I don't have headshots anymore. And I was like, 
Oh my gosh. Can you imagine being able to say that? No. I mean, I can't. I don't have headshots anymore. I I don't leave the house to pick up headshots anymore. Like that's what I would say. But I was like, (laughs) I just felt so dumb. It just was like, yeah, it was a real, it was a real nice moment. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing these funny stories. I love, I love good audition tragedies. They're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, There's, you know, I think people think it's going to be all fun and it's not. It's not. No, it's like 95% bad. And then the 5% is what you actually do book. And then that's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's a numbers game and most of the numbers are not fun. So no, but I will say that it's gotten better and I feel much more comfortable and confident in my auditioning now. So I'm very pleased with that. That's good. That's a, that's a big step. It's hard to get there. Yes. It's very hard. It's a lot of mental mind game. Um, Lots of it. You know, and recognizing that there's so little you can control just so. Yeah. So little. And like half the time it doesn't even like you think something matters as far as like the audition itself. And then you're like, oh, that doesn't matter because they're going to choose something different because of this anyway. You know, it doesn't matter. They've already cast a guest star who has the same color hair as me. So it it doesn't matter. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. When I was like a teenager growing up, there was always like these specific shows that you knew that like as a guest star, you would never get on because like every single, you know, series regular on the show had brown hair so if you had brown hair you're not going to get on it yeah yeah or vice versa it's like they only like to hire brown haired people which is very bizarre as well it's it's fascinating that the rules they make that you're like I mean people do walk around the world and are able to distinguish between different people with brown hair but oh right (laughs) it's okay I I can have more than one friend with brown hair. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I can have more than one insert, insert, you know, uh, ethnicity friend, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We can, we can make a world very different. Yeah, we can. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. Where can people find you on social media? Yes. So all of my social media is it's linky, I-T-S-L-I-N-K-E. And then, of course, Go Help Yourself uh, is my podcast. And then on Sundays at 1230 Pacific, Pacific, that's where my Pacific, 1230 Pacific on Instagram, I do a live improv um, show called Suggestion Sunday Show. And people tune in, they can watch, they can drop um, suggestions in the comments. And I create 60 to 90 second characters based off of their suggestions. So it's free. You don't have to pay. You don't have to lie to your friends and say their show was great. (laughs) In and out as you want. And then it's also up on my um, Instagram TV uh, area on my, on my feed. Oh, that's so fun. And what day does your podcast come out? We, uh, we release on Fridays and then Tuesdays we have a follow-up mini sewed with, um, which we lovingly call our weekly beef um, <laughs> homework from the episode and then something additional like listener emails or a quiz or a special oh, fun. Guest or yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you again. I'm very excited to see all the things that happen for you once we're all out of quarantine and everyone's able to get back to set. Oh my gosh. Same. I cannot wait. Thank you so much, Jillian. Thanks again to Lisa for coming on the show. I might be taking next week off. I'm, I'm not 100% sure yet. Uh, I'm recording this in advance. It's literally August 23rd right now when I'm talking. So this is far in advance. I'm going somewhere and I may not be able to record. 
while I'm at this somewhere. So, um, yeah, there may not be an episode next week is what I'm trying to say. Uh, if there is, then that's fantastic. And disregard this, I guess. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it now. You can also follow us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the cast of West Wing because I love them and I would love to have them on the show one day. And as always, thanks for coming in. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.